What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. What's up, everyone? Season one featured our first 50 episodes, and 20 of them were guest episodes. We're doing a bit more guest episodes at the start of season two here, but uh, season one was definitely uh, a mix of both. But in today's episode, we're going to recap our key takeaways from each of those guest episodes in season one. So our first episode featured Lauren Sandburn. Uh, she was director of RevOps at CallRail, and she recently moved over to a company called Data Robot. Uh, they're an AI cloud platform for data scientists. Um, but aside from kind of leaving us with several marketing and sales alignment tips, uh, I think you remember that, John, right? Like the the, the title of the episode was like happiness uh, at the intersection of sales and marketing. Uh, I think that my favorite takeaway from our chat with Lauren was to not be so hard on yourself if you don't know what you want to do. When I chat with like uh, new uh, like grads from from marketing or like current students, that's one of the biggest questions. Like, oh, like what do I what do I work in? Like, do I want to do content? Do I want to do SEO? Do I jump into automation? And her advice was really to just like get out there and like try different things so that you can start to mark off what you don't like, and eventually you'll find some that you love. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Lauren brings a lot to the table. Like I've had the opportunity to work with her as well. For me, I think we talked a little bit about like the softer skills of working with different types of teams, working with the sales team and marketing team. And I think what Lauren represented in there is a good goal for anybody in the RevOps space of, of really being the bridge between all of these. And uh, in my experience working with her, she totally lived up to that. So, and congrats to Lauren on the new, new gig. Yeah, congrats on the new gig, and thanks for being our uh, our guinea pig, like first guest uh, on on the podcast. I feel like now we have a bit more of a, a better process to, to to getting guests on the show, but uh, definitely leaned on on Lauren for being the, our first one. Yeah. Uh, our next guest episode was episode seven. It featured one of probably our most senior, uh, perhaps most accomplished guests on the show, Brian Leonard, uh, former co-founder of TaskRabbit. You probably know that company. Um, he was the CEO of Grouperu at the time that we chatted with him. Uh, Grouperu was just recently acquired by a company called Airbyte. So congrats to Brian and team there. Uh, but Brian went pretty deep uh, on the relationship with marketing and engineering mm -hmm. on the podcast. So uh, we had Lauren chat about like marketing and sales. And then um, Brian really was building something that was specifically helping that intersection between marketing and engineering. And I think that my favorite takeaway was that marketers and engineers shouldn't think of themselves as doing completely different things inside a company. And that's easier said than done because yeah. usually one group is working on the product. The other team is working on like generating leads or traffic or, or a bit more revenue. But at the end of the day, like both groups are there to move the needle on the business. And, um, he thinks that the best way to think of this is to come together and power the right marketing and like product tech stack so that you can work together on, on moving the needle for the business. So I think of this like often when uh, I was at previous gigs of trying to like pitch the product that like marketing needs this and, and we mm -hmm. need that. And like, yeah. but we can't implement it ourselves. Like we need engineering help because it's like Python or JavaScript. But like, instead of pitching it as like marketing needs this, like pitch it as the company needs this. 
this. Mm -hmm. And this is how it will benefit not just marketing, but everyone in the company. So for example, like marketing attribution isn't like a marketing or a marketing ops thing. It's a company thing. And so, um, yeah, I thought that was a really cool conversation. Yeah. I got two things from the conversation with Brian. I mean, first of all, uh, it was about, I don't know, a day before. And I started really Googling and researching Brian. I'm notorious for not being super connected in the startup community. And when I looked at Brian's past, I realized I really needed to put a nice shirt on uh, and, and show up prepared to the interview, uh, which, which I think we were, we had a great conversation with him and Brian was super casual and relaxed. We connected, of course, Brian and I connected on the fact that neither one of us adore shoes and prefer the barefoot lifestyle. It is a way of life. So um, <laughs> I that. I, yeah, yeah. Well, Brian, uh, Brian, I definitely connected there. Um, I think on a more serious note, I agree with you, Phil, like that, that has to be the takeaway from that episode. I'll, I'll just kind of reiterate in terms of my own experience. For me, this episode and this interview was a bit of a catalyst for the way that I approach working with the engineering and product teams. I'd obviously in my career, I've worked with engineering and, and product teams quite a bit, but once I, I don't know, something about what Brian said really landed on, on my brain in a special way. I started working more closely with the product teams that I work with um, and seeing the incentives around what are they building? Like engineers and, and product, they are the builders of the products mm -hmm. that we're looking at. And when you start to really talk to them, you realize, first of all, how incredibly motivated a good product team is to deliver value to the end user. And in that conversation with, with Brian and with my own engineering teams, I've really come around to this uh, idea that engineering is super incented to, to make sure that things are delightful for the customer. Yeah. And where does marketing live in that? And, you know, as a startup marketer, I feel like there's, there's a part of my job, which is a conduit of value or the conduit of the perception of value that I can bring to the market that as you're working with people who are deep into the tech, they understand like the unique selling proposition at a layer, like an architectural layer uh, in terms of the product you're delivering. There's a lot of nuggets of wisdom that you can bring to the market to, to speak to the audience. Um, so I think that this is a great one. If you're feeling a rivalry around product and engineering and marketing, there shouldn't be a rivalry. Sometimes this is organization. You can't help that. But mm -hmm. sometimes it's you, right? And I think that yeah. we as marketers can't be defensive. Like we're conduit of great ideas. We're not necessarily the catalyst of them. Um, and sometimes there's moments that we're pretty creative, um, but I think there's a lot of moments that we're, we need to do the meat and potatoes of making sure that what engineering is building is finding the market and finding the yeah. value that we, we think it'll provide. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. I think that like tons of marketers talk about like marketing and sales working better together, but like this, this was a really cool episode of like marketing and, and product teams working better together. So if you haven't listened to it yet, that's episode seven. That was with Brian Leonard. Um, next up was our boy, Nick Donaldson in episode number 10, uh, probably, uh, the episode where we had the most, uh, technical, uh, leveling up in terms of like audio stuff. Um, uh, but like, uh, didn't discount the fact that like it, it was an awesome episode with Nick. We started recording that episode when Nick was fresh off a new consulting gig at Percuto. Um, he's another marketer who's actually moved on to another company since we chatted with him. He's now running marketing operations at NAC, which is the company that Pierce uh, runs, who we interviewed later on that we're going to chat about. Uh, but I think that Nick is uh, wise beyond his years. Uh, he, we had a great chat with him. My, my favorite takeaway, I think, was 
um, that the number one skill to succeed in marketing operations is curiosity. Uh, it was kind of the theme of, of the episode when we really dug into like how he was able to um, fast track that career growth that he's kind of experienced. And early in, in his career, you know, Google and Twitter are your best friends. Like if you're not sure how to do something, like figure it out, like go out, go out there. And like, there's smarter people than you that have done that work that have like written about it and can share a bunch of tips on it. And there's, there's so many of those people that have like shared that wisdom. So find them, read them, learn from them. Nick was definitely someone who's like taking advantage of that. And now he's like someone who is in a position to, to create a lot of stuff and, and, and share it and like teach the new generation of marketers. So um, yeah. yeah, I know you had a chance to, to work with Nick uh, a yeah. few times, right? Oh yeah, I've worked with Nick and obviously worked with Pierce Eugene Wallet quite a bit. And uh, so yeah, congrats to Nick for joining NAC and uh, congrats to NAC for uh, bringing on a top tier talent. Nick is Nick is somebody we're going to hear about uh, in the years if he chooses to uh, to be more public with what is he's accomplishing behind the scenes. I, I have to agree. Like you pulled out e- easily the best point. What I want to point out with the curiosity. Uh, being the number one skill in all of marketing, marketing operations, SEO, wherever you are, um, curiosity is going to serve you extremely well. And it's a total theme that pulls out. We interviewed a few CMOs and senior marketers who are hiring and like almost every single one of them to a person uh, mentioned that curiosity being being a key component of what you're looking for. And I think this is, this is key. And you see this in, in the rise of careers like uh, uh, up and comers like Nick Donaldson. Yeah, totally. So uh, check out the episode with Nick. Uh, That was episode number 10. Um, So we were 10 episodes in and uh, we kind of already had a RevOps director, a CEO, founder, and a consultant. And uh, we also had a professor on the show in episode 11. We were joined by a friend of the show, Jonathan Simon. Um, This might have been a bit of like kind of this controversial uh, amongst his peers at the University of Ottawa. But we're happy to report that he's still in his current gig. So uh, my favorite takeaway from our chat with Jonathan is that you don't need a degree to have a successful and happy career in marketing anymore. And, you know, despite teaching marketing at the University of Ottawa, um, he shed a lot of light like behind that statement. And more than anything, marketers need to be able to be adaptable to changing tech and strive to be kind of lifelong learners, a bit like Nick was talking about. Um, But Jonathan talked a lot about side hustles and starting something like building a website, like having a blog or even like doing something on social. Uh, And in his course, he actually gets all of his students to start a blog and build something during the time that they're there. Uh, So I thought he gave some really good advice. Um, there's a lot of uh, some of his students that were listening to the episode and, and gave us some some good feedback. So really grateful to, to finally get Jonathan uh, on the show. Um, he's uh, he's become a friend to me. I've, I've uh, had the chance to be a guest speaker in, in his class and uh, over the last couple of years. And uh, he's, he's doing something super important. Like he's mm-hmm. not your typical like university teacher uh, who's teaching like the theoretical stuff that's kind of like 15 years past, like what like marketers are actually doing in the world today day he's getting guest speakers on to chat about like what their life is like working in marketing and it's like different backgrounds from like tech to finance to a bunch of different uh, career paths but uh, yeah he's doing uh, something super important um, even though he says that like you don't have to have a university degree anymore uh, I think that like getting a chance to have him as your professor uh, would really level up your your potential uh, to, to having a successful career. 
yeah, we, we both, I think in the, in the pre-homework for, for this episode, uh, got a little spicy and we're thinking, oh, how can we debate, uh, Professor Simon on, <laughs> on the virtues of, uh, whatever path you want to take to learning, to learning marketing. And in, in that episode, I think we really talked about three paths, which would be your formal education through like a university program. Um, we talked about the idea of doing a certificate or a part-time kind of online course or in-person course. I know you you taught a course like that. And we also talked about self-directed. I think ultimately the takeaway here for anybody listening is if you're breaking into marketing or you're, you're training a team or you're talking to somebody who's interested in it, I think you have to do some self-directed. It doesn't matter if you take the other two paths, if you're paying a tuition, you have to build something. It's just like if you want to become a programmer or a developer or an engineer, it's not theoretical. Marketing is not theory. Marketing is practice. Mm-hmm. And I think John shared a ton of wisdom with us. And it really is, is awesome to hear uh, how he's you know, bringing up the next generation of marketers in his program. I totally agree with his approach um, within the university setting, bringing in, you know, guest speakers from the industry and you can see the results. Um, All my LinkedIn feed constantly are, you know, uh, uh, Jonathan Simon's graduates going off to work at, you know, super cool shops and super cool roles. Like he's preparing the next generation and and he's got the the proof to back it up. Yeah. You chat with any, uh, Ottawa, uh, local marketer and in, in they've gone through the university of Ottawa. You ask them who, who is their favorite teacher and nine out of 10, we'll say, uh, Jonathan Simon. So it was a, it was a pleasure to have him on. If you haven't caught that episode, that's episode 11 with Jonathan Simon. Um, episode 17 was the next one that we had a guest on. And, uh, this was a personal favorite of mine, uh, Ottawa native Julie Bainan, who leads analytics at Clearbit. Uh, so unlike the the first four guests, uh, Julie is still at Clearbit, which is um, quite telling for, for someone in a tech startup. Uh, she's still running analytics at Clearbit. Um, Clearbit is still uh, doing really well. And things got technical pretty fast on, on our interview with, uh, with Julie, kind of running analytics there. Uh, but she did uh, an awesome job kind of introducing uh, data warehousing and making it seem a lot less intimidating that uh, your entry-level marketer might think it is. Um, I think that my favorite takeaway uh, from our chat with Julie was when she explained that a data warehouse doesn't have row limits and isn't limited by your laptop CPU. Um, that's really like when we asked her like about like when should people like graduate from like having, you know, a homegrown database or having something in sheets to having like a central data warehouse. So, uh, you know, she, she was the first one to admit that she loves a good Google sheet as much as any data driven marketer. But at some point startups need to upgrade from that clunkiness of, of spreadsheets to a data data warehouse solution. And she really talked about like Redshift and BigQuery and how like it's it's not as complicated anymore to like have a marketer who's not technical, like go in there, go through the setup wizard, build something, and then like make sure that you're working with your dev team and and, and hooking that up to your customer data platform and having all your tools kind of connected in there. But uh, yeah, it's been fun seeing the MarTech landscape kind of shift from this like APIs for everything. We integrate with all of your tools to we build on top of your your data warehouse. Like we we've chatted with uh, someone from Message Gears. Uh, we kind of connect natively to to BigQuery. But uh, yeah, we we're hoping that like the episode wouldn't get like too too technical. And I think she did a, reg- a great job at staying service level and, and and leaving some really good tips for our audience. 
Yeah, I think that's a huge takeaway is uh, Julie combines the, the the technical expertise with the ability to translate that into, uh, you know, language that everybody can understand. I think this is this is a good episode for everybody in marketing to listen to. Marketing uh, uses data as a huge part of its craft. It doesn't matter what part of marketing you're in. You're going to be looking at data, whether it's in, in a tool uh, you know, like your HubSpot, Marketo, Pardot, or you're looking at it from a data warehouse. And I think my takeaway here is the the, the step functions to bring you to that kind of analytics nirvana. Uh, one could argue that's that's a moving target anyways, but I think it's important to be realistic about where you're, you are in your journey, bringing in the right tools at the right time, ideally before you feel the pain point of not having analytics in, in, in a certain capacity. Um, I also think it's an important takeaway, just more of a general broad takeaway from this episode is the interplay of analytics within, within an organization, how critical that is in a modern business to, to track the right things um, and to have it in the right tech setup to, to be successful in the long term. So episode 17 was with Julie and keeping uh, to the data theme, we had Stefan Hedebrent in episode 19. Uh, still almost a year later, he's uh, still trashing Google Analytics on, on LinkedIn in, in a lot of his posts. Uh, he's the co-founder of Dream Data. They're an attribution solution for B2B startups and SMBs. I had the chance of uh, actually signing up as a customer when I was at close uh, right uh, before I ended up leaving. Um, but attribution, I think like chatting with other folks and, and, and folks in the industry, like it, it still gets a bad rap, right? Like we heard from Corey in season two, he, he had some pretty, uh, bad experiences and left a bad taste in his mouth with attribution when it came to like, when it came to, to SAS and, and B2B, uh, mm-hmm. we chatted with Corey at the tip of season two. Uh, but Stefan has solved like big pieces of the puzzle for startups. Like he's not claiming that like he has all of the data and he can answer every single question question but i think that like what dream data has done is provide a solution where you can answer what i think is like the most relevant questions and like the closest to the absolute truth and i think that my favorite takeaway from our convo was when he declared that when it comes to revenue attribution ga is basically closely useless for b2b companies like it'll give you good data especially ga4 on like traffic and sessions and where that's coming from but in terms of like attributing that to revenue like ga is pretty useless for b2b companies multi-touch attribution software does sound like magic and it sounds like bullshit to folks like gory but when you've tried to orchestrate it yourself and you give uh, dream data a spin you're, you're still skeptical about it but you see the potential um of being able to at least like make some some decisions based on like that traffic being correlated to revenue. So um, he's building something super cool. I know the company is doing really, really well, super active on LinkedIn. So um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I really liked my chat with Stefan. Yeah, their their uh, their dream data has been taking off in the last year since we did this interview with them. And uh, I remember when we first started connecting in with Stefan, and we've we both I think had history with him through through past engagements and co marketing opportunities and stuff. So he's a great guy. But boy, this this dream data team is absolutely killing it on their LinkedIn game. They know you know uh, head to toe exactly what they're about. And I think they're storming the market in a good way. I've heard, heard more and more people talking about Dream Data as a solution for them for multi-attribution uh, uh, touch software. So I think that's a that's a big kudos to those guys. I agree. Like attribution is the the great unsolvable solvable problem in marketing. Everybody's looking for a solution, a magic bullet to solve the problem of 
I put $1 in marketing, how many dollars do I get out? And what drives that revenue? I think like between Corey and uh, Stefan, we have have a great story around attribution in this cloud. And I think there's a lot of, you know, as long as I've been in marketing, we've been talking about attribution. And as digital marketers, digital marketing is is the way that all of us basically do our marketing nowadays. We're, we're spoiled a little bit by the amount of data that we get. Uh, but now I think we're, we're in an era where we're asking real serious questions about the quality of that data, um, particularly with, with these new privacy laws coming, like you're seeing in Europe that Google Analytics is getting the boot from countries. GA4 is going to be the norm. So there's all kinds of these questions in the background. I I feel like we'll we'll uh, kind of see a decentralization of multi-touch attribution tools and and more niche players. And I think Dream Data plays a nice niche on the on the web analytics and the digital ad- advertising front. Yeah, it's uh it's gonna be interesting to see like the the shifting landscape. Uh, like something that I've dived really deep into uh, since I joined WordPress.com has been. Uh, focusing less on attribution and more on incrementality. So like if you're trying to answer the question, like your team, how much revenue are they driving or what has been the impact of your team instead of like trying to go through all the trouble of figuring out the multi-touch path towards like this email campaign that you did, how much revenue did it touch? Like whether it's like first touch or last touch, you do incrementality testing and that's mm-hmm. like running your traditional AB test and seeing whether like 50% of your audience was able to like generate more revenue versus the 50% that didn't get it. So like if you're changing something in your onboarding sequence, instead of like trying to figure out like how many clicks you can attribute to revenue, like change it in 50% of your users in the onboarding sequence and run it for X amount of time, like figure out if you want to hit 95% confidence, like how long you need to run this for to hit a specific sample size of folks and then at the end of the test like you're able to like attribute like the amount of revenue that your experiment generated and you can decide to like roll that out to 100 of users after that so um that's something maybe like more bigger teams are able to do like once you have like the the testing software in place and, and a bit more time to to run towards doing that but for startups that are, like don't have a, a time to like test everything and are just trying to figure out like what is really driving revenue i think like multi-touch solutions like dream data are really really attractive I think I think I want to make another kind of point around the multi-touch attribution, which is I, I it's super super important that we have data points to make decisions off of. However, at the end of the day, we're marketing towards human beings who have emotions and sentience outside of a computer, and I think it's really important to actually ground ourselves in that. Is sometimes the decisions that we need to make. Um, don't you know the data doesn't always align with it there there are there are yeah. bets that you have to make in marketing and like the biggest best you know brand marketing campaigns out there i'm sure they did their their user research or their their audience research as well but you got to take a chance sometimes and i think that's what marketing is about is blending that creativity with data and i would argue that what gut feel is uh, and gut feel does have a purpose it needs to be gut checked against data but gut feel is really a combination of wisdom experience and having the right data points in your back pocket so an attribution mm-hmm. tool super cool super useful to to doing that uh, as you said about ab testing like in in my world i've always said to to folks that i manage you don't need permission to run an ab test go run an ab test try things out be daring come back with some results. And if it's, if it's a good result, we'll analyze the results then and really dig in and understand what, what went well. Um, so yeah, interesting episode for sure. 
Yeah, totally. So that was episode 19 uh, with Stefan. Uh, we called it Reaching B2B Attribution Nirvana. So if you're you're curious about attribution in, the, in that topic, definitely uh, check out episode 19. Episode 25 featured Naomi Liu. And she's Director of Global Marketing Ops at EFI. Naomi uh, spends some of her time mentoring uh, future marketing ops leaders. Uh, she mentored me for uh, several years. Uh, and uh, she, she the, the time that we hired her, she was hiring for an entry-level marketer on her team and, and we actually got the chance to center uh, some of our conversation around how to ace your first marketing job and she has mentored and managed a bunch of these like early stage marketers so i thought her advice was really really cool um maybe my favorite takeaway uh was when Naomi said that new marketers should be asking a ton of questions. And, you know, this goes back to like our theme of, of curiosity. And there's a lot of stuff that you can like learn yourself in this like self-taught path, like just Googling stuff and finding other folks that have written about it. But when you're joining a new company, it's important to get the ins and outs of how that company is running and why they're doing certain things. And, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll deal with like the long-standing employees who say like, Oh, we just do things because we've always done it like this. But it doesn't mean that you don't get the chance to ask a ton of those questions when you're starting mm-hmm. out. So um, Naomi kind of like encouraged entry-level marketers to be that annoying kid in the backseat <sighs> asking all of the questions all the time. Uh, so yeah, really cool episode with Naomi. Yeah. When are we going to be there? When are we going to be there? <laughs> Why? Why? Yeah. As a parent, anybody who's a parent knows that uh, uh, children are wonderful creatures that ask tons and tons of questions and it makes them very enduring. I think that asking a lot of questions is, is absolutely the top takeaway. I'll flip it a little bit. I think Naomi is obviously super, super smart, but I think that's the type of boss that we should be looking for. Somebody who entertains all those questions. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know how many times in my career I've heard people say, I don't want to ask stupid questions. And that's that's fair right like we don't want to seem really silly you just got hired for this important role it's a technical role uh it's complex you're working with data you're working with operations and processes and workflows so asking questions you don't want to reveal that like you're a dummy behind the scenes but the truth is is that i think everybody's got to ask those questions to understand the answers to them so i always say there's no stupid question there's there are dumb answers um and try not to ask the same question twice that that's where you start to wear, wear a little bit thin, but ask questions, take notes and then dig deeper into it. And, you know, follow the way of Nick Donaldson, go to Google first. Sometimes uh, instead of asking your boss, that's a good way to go, but absolutely. You want to be looking for um, a boss like Naomi. Mm -hmm. So that was episode number 25 with Naomi episode 27 featured friend of the show and local Ottawa social media maven, Aaron Blasky. She recently made the switch from leading marketing at fellow to going back to freelancing as a fractional CMO. She's still doing that today and a really cool, like kind of lighthearted conversation with uh, Aaron, where we got to like really dig into the differences between like being your own freelancer, running your own consultant business and being an in-house marketer and, and kind of like growing teams. And I think that my favorite takeaway was when we asked her how marketers should choose between the freelance route and, and working in-house. And she thinks that everyone should actually try both. Um, like the, the argument shouldn't be like one is better than the other because it's different for different folks. Um, and she had a really cool point on, on kind of like throwing out everyone else's definition of success and mm-hmm. make your own by trying a bunch of different things and figuring out like what happiness means to you. And uh, kind of similar to what uh, Lauren Sanborn's point was as 
as well about like trying a bunch of different things. So, you know, big company, startup, agency, freelance, give them all a shot, like really get a taste of uh, what makes you happy. Yeah, it's a really interesting because I think Aaron has really proved the point. It's not a either or, like you don't have to freelance or be exclusively an in-house. You can bounce in between. And there's a lot of experience that you can gain from, from those perspectives. And that was what kind of my takeaway is that um, Aaron talked a lot about working with different companies and being able to bring that knowledge from one company to the other and, and really help a bunch of different startups. I think it's a great way to activate your brain. There's times to dig deep into a single startup and take on a full-time gig. Um, but there's a lot of value to gain from seeing you know, how 10, 12, 15 different startups operate and synthesizing that strategy and, and helping all of them grow. Mm-hmm. So that was episode 27 with Aaron. And uh, after that, we we took kind of like a, a 10, 10 week uh, hiatus where we just dived into a bunch of different uh, topic episodes. I think that's when we did our, our life cycle series or our life cycle marketing saga. But we got back to guest episodes in episode 37. We had another manager who was hiring on her team at the time that we got to chat with her, uh, Shannon McCluskey, who leads marketing ops at Clio. And I think that my favorite takeaway was when she described the role of marketing ops. Um, She said something like, we are not order takers. We're active consultants designing our own destiny. And sometimes we need to evaluate solutions our partners haven't thought of. And we don't always need to say yes to every request that we're given. And I I think that like that resonated a lot with folks that are in in marketing ops. Like at the time that we interviewed her, like that was uh, my role. And uh, it definitely seen that like sometimes, you know, like marketing ops is just this like service center where you're saying mm-hmm. yes to a bunch of folks and trying to make time for all of these requests. And like, you're asking yourself, like, there, there's a lot of things I think we can improve and work on, but like, I never get a chance to do them because half of my time or most of my time is spent like doing other people's work or asking or like meeting their requests and stuff. And so when she really flipped that script and said that, like, yo, like we're not a service center, we're active mm-hmm. consultants and we get to actually design design our own destiny here. And it's okay to say no to shit sometimes because like we know the tech better than a lot of the requesters do. And there's oftentimes like solutions to problems that like the requesters haven't thought of. So it's totally okay to say no and like kind of design your own destiny. Yeah. I think having that, that strong partner in in your, you know, operations team, giving them the ability to hear, here's the set of problems that I have. Okay. What are the set of solutions? Like you, when you come to come to a team, like a marketing ops team, I don't think coming with a pre-baked set of solutions is, is necessarily getting the most out of your team. I love that Shannon does flip that script, becomes a proactive partner of, of the organization, uh, architecting solutions that will be much more scalable at the end of the day, uh, right? They understand how marketing ops understands how it all fits together. Uh, give them some opportunity to be able to craft a roadmap. I think we did talk a little bit about roadmaps with Shannon as well. And I think that's a really important part of of marketing operations. If you don't have a roadmap, you don't own your own destiny, you are a service-based department. And that kind of is on you. Uh, Mm -hmm. But if you do have a roadmap and you're working with people, I know anybody I mentor, uh, you know, uh, and and have conversations with outside of the show. Probably the first thing I say about marketing operations is get yourself a roadmap, get yourself a true north. And then of course you're going to be responding to services. That's what marketing operations, you know, big chunk of the job. But if you have a roadmap, you can, you can go to the promised land. Yeah. Just be willing to make that roadmap very uh, hybrid or dynamic because it's a, it's going to change a lot. If you're, if you're in a startup, 
Uh, we've got five uh, guest episodes left. Uh, episode 37 was with Shannon. So check that out if you haven't listened to it. Uh, episode 39, two weeks later, was uh, featuring co-founder and CEO of NAC, Pierce Eugene Walla, a well-known face in the MarTech scene, especially in Ottawa. We asked him to weigh in on the HTML versus text uh, debate for emails being super, super close to it in, in the NAC world. NAC is uh, an email template builder. I think they're, they're into landing page builders too as well now. Uh, but he said that it's important to do a mix of both uh, HTML and text for, for emails, especially for brands that uh, like to experiment with the two and, and have this kind of like uh, idea that text emails have that personal feel, but HTML is still super important for all the like visual users and telling your kind of brand story. But um, yeah, I know, you know, Pierce uh, really well. Um, it was, it was cool to, to get him on the show finally. Yeah, I love uh, Pierce. Uh, Pierce and I, we did an episode on uh, why marketers should learn to code. I brought a thesis forth on, I think marketers should learn some coding. Um, and Pierce came back with a really smart counterpoint in this episode around the idea of creative, creativity being under attack. And I think there's something here that we really should think of as marketers is how do we enable ourselves to be creative and put the tools at our own disposal to be able to put together a killer marketing campaign or a killer, you know, email campaign or landing page. And I think that the problem that NAC is looking to solve and is already making huge strides in this space is putting the power of no code tools into marketers' hands so that they can design a, a damn email and get it out without having to talk to a designer and then have to, you know, litmus test it against 50,000 different browsers and then never, none of them work anyways. Um, and I think that a solution like NAC is a great entry into this uh, creative marketing. And I do think, I totally agree with Pierce, like the no code movement in, in all of tech, but also in uh, specifically in marketing is really about empowering marketers to, to act on the vision that they, they have. So really good episode. Episode 39 was with Pierce and episode 41 featured another local Ottawa and social media expert. And now the new head of marketing at fellow Manuela Barcenas. She's also a productivity nut. And my favorite takeaway was when she dives super deep into this idea of uh, like the biggest productivity superpower is knowing what to work on and when, uh, when you're opening your laptop in the morning. So like oftentimes folks don't like make this plan as, as part of their day. They kind of like start their day by opening the laptop and then they go through figuring out like what they're going to work on today. So like they open the task list or maybe they check Slack first, but um, she's really big on this idea of time blocking and something that we chatted a lot about and planning your week ahead of time by scheduling tasks and to-do items and deep focus blocks as well in your calendar. So when she opens her laptop in the morning, I don't know if this is still the same for Manuela now that she's leading all of marketing at, at fellow. I know like sometimes like stuff comes up that's not planned ahead of time, but um, the idea that like you get to open your laptop in the morning, knowing that like, all right, already today, like I've got a couple of meetings, but like I've got a block set up for this project that I'm working on and I'm finishing the day with like a deep focus block on this other topic. And mm -hmm. the idea of like planning that ahead of time is really reinforcing the fact that like, yo, I can't say yes to meetings this week, or um, I can't like take on this new project because I need to dedicate time to this other project that has a deadline that's coming up and I need to like really unpack this. And this is like the step one of the task that I need to do. So um, a lot of folks kind of like 
just skip that and they YOLO when they open their laptop. Uh, I, I definitely like do that some weeks, but the weeks where I like plan stuff ahead of time and I'm blocking stuff out in the calendar when there's like TED that tight deadlines or big projects, I'm definitely way more productive because you get those like calendar notifications like, Hey, deep focus block is coming up. You're supposed to be working on this. And I'm like, all right, shit, like time to like turn yeah. off Slack. Like I'll tell this person that like, yo, like maybe we can chat about this offline or set up a meeting. Now it's time to like dive into this because mm-hmm. at the start of the week, I dedicated like focus to this area of the project I should be doing it now. So it's like kind of keeping yourself accountable. Um, and this idea of productivity for, for time blocking, uh, works really well when, when you spend the time doing it. Yeah. It's such a smart part of our conversation. I'll, I'll, I'll do a little bit of different of a takeaway. And it's more of a vibe. Uh, like Manuela was a first hire at a hot startup that was starting to grow very quickly. Um, and I think she really embodies uh, the spirit of the curiosity. Like she, she's been super successful at fellow, I think on a large part, because she's a, a bit of a, well, she's very creative and she's willing to take some risks and mm-hmm. answer questions by pushing stuff into the market. Can we be successful with, you know, the super managers podcast? Well, it's huge now. Can we be ex- uh, exceptional with a newsletter? Okay, let's do that. Uh, can I learn Google analytics or HubSpot or these other tools? Like the answer is yes to so many of these different types of questions. And I think, uh, I think it's really a good episode to encapsulate what does curiosity look like in a, in a marketer. And I do think like that startup journey, uh, is something that's really interesting to a lot of folks. Like, what is it like to be fresh out of school? First gig as, you know, first hire as a marketer in a startup. And then three years later, or a, f- a few years later, you're, you're running the whole show. And I think, uh, I think there's a lot to take away from kind of the subtle points that we make in that episode. Mm-hmm. So episode 41 was with Manuela. Episode 44 is another friend of the show, uh, Roxanne Pepin from Rewind. She chatted with us about her role in technology operations. And like Shannon, uh, she had hot thoughts about the role of marketing and, and tech ops. And she said that while everything is doable when someone is asking for something, it doesn't mean that you should do it. Uh, the question on the importance of your request is something that like you should always be doing. Like how important is this thing that someone is asking me to do? Um, and she actually like um, recommended folks in, in similar roles to let those requests do for a couple of days just to determine uh, if it's really important and um, you know if it's whether we need to do it now and see if it comes back a couple of days later but uh, I like to employ that rule too sometimes like someone says something to you uh, to do like right away you say like yeah cool like I'll, I'll add this to my list you don't act on it yet you do a couple of other high priority things for the next couple of days and you wait to see like if that request like bubbles back up the person is asking for it again and like I think you've definitely seen that too John like sometimes someone is asking for something it's super important like right then in the moment but then like they sit on it for a couple of days they come back to you and they're like hey like I, I thought about this again like never mind I changed my mind or like maybe you were going to do this instead like especially in startups like y- you get a request like you don't need to do that like right away uh, unless it's from like the, the CEO or the founder obviously but um, yeah, let, let some of those requests kind of stew and, and really question the importance of, uh, like how high priority should all of these requests be that they're coming in. Yeah. So we've all been victims of random acts of analysis where we need to pivot <laughs> and move on to something. And it's a, probably the worst advice I could offer of, you know, wait until somebody asks three times to, to start working on something. I don't think that's a really great piece of advice, but sometimes it feel, <laughs> you, you feel that vibe. I'm sure some listeners are like, yeah, I've been there. 
I think with with Roxanne, there's there's a lot of interesting stuff. You know, again, focusing on the scene that's kind of emerging in this episode around curiosity. Marketing is a is a practice, right? It's it's not a bunch of theory. It's it's implementation. And when we talked to Roxanne about how did you learn uh, marketing operations, it's through doing. And I think that's a huge takeaway for for everybody. Is uh, it's you you don't learn marketing by reading blog posts and Twitter threads and, and Google. Well, you do. You learn the theory of it. You have to put your hands on the machine. You have to drive this to, to drive this thing and to see how it handles on the road and fix it and tweak it and repair a few flat tires. And that's how you become a marketing operations pro in, in the modern uh, marketing era. Yeah. So that was episode 44 with Roxanne. Uh, we had two episodes left. Uh, both episodes featured uh, more uh, Ottawa local folks. Uh, episode 46 featured Danica Bateman, who was marketing automation manager at Net2Phone at the time that we chatted with her. Uh, she's recently joined a company called Unbabble, a translation service company. And one of my favorite takeaways when we chatted with uh, Danica, who is uh, kind of taking on this marketing automation role at Net2Phone, is that she said marketing automation was the perfect bridge between marketing and sales. So she had the chance to like work with both of those teams and kind of getting customer insights from your sales team and put that into your funnel to build an automation engine around customer empathy um, mm-hmm. was a really cool topic that we kind of dived into. But uh, yeah, someone someone else who I think is uh, wise beyond her years, um, she's uh, kind of a, a, a become a part op pro in, in her space and gotten a chance to really double down into that uh, that tech space and really enjoyed our chat with Danica. There's a reason why I think uh, one of the premises of our entire show is around being happy and successful. And, you know, as we interview the the various humans of MarTech, one of the common themes that we run into is we've got this technical aspect of the career, you know, digging deep into the technical know-how, uh, the data, the analytics, the automation tools, um, and really understanding how those work. But I think Probably the more important component that we cover in this show is the empathy, the compassion, the ability to translate what you're doing on a technical level and your MarTech tool to value to the team that you're servicing and that you're working with. And uh, we saw this with Lauren Sandburn as well as is being that bridge. Uh, it requires a lot of soft touch. And I think those soft skills are super important in, in marketing operations, uh, arguably more important than the technical skills, assuming you have the aptitude to pick up on, on the technical. I think that the, the going from good to great requires uh, deep empathy for everybody you work with, especially the customer, but also the internal teams that you're working with. And episode with Danica really highlights that. That was episode 46. Uh, we called it a day in the life of a marketing automation manager with Danica. And finally, our last guest episode of season one was episode 47. We uh, featured Vladlena Mitskanyuk, who heads up marketing at Sneak. She sells a complicated product for developers that doesn't scare her from learning her industry and her product, though. And we asked her what marketers should start by doing when they join a new company. She had recently hired uh, a couple of different folks on her team. And she said that if you don't know your product, you won't be able to market it. And, you know, that's like blanket statements, but easier said than done when you're selling a product that's super technical, like uh, mm-hmm. Vladlena is. But she recommends everyone uh, in, in this technical world to learn your product as much as you can. It's the most important the first thing that you can do. Then learn the people that you work around you, like the, the folks that you're going to collaborate with, the stakeholders, and then make sure you leave time to learn your 
your customers as well. So when you're joining a new role, whether it's technical or not, like make sure you've got a really good understanding of the product, hone in on what it is that you're selling, get to know the folks around you, and then focus on like who the heck it is that you're selling this product to. Um, those are kind of like the three big pillars that um, she kind of like uh, chatted about. But we we got into a fascinating conversation with Fledlin and we talked about like how uh, her, she's she was able to like grow her career by unpacking and, and, and figuring out these data mysteries like one mm-hmm. at a time and, and really being the person who is like deep into analytics, but using data to like make smarter decisions. But um, yeah, another uh, local Ottawa marketer um, that I'm a huge fan of. Um, and uh, yeah, she rounded us out for uh, most of our guest speakers on, on season one. Yeah, uh, Vladlana is a brilliant uh, human being, and and one of my one of my favorite episodes. It's hard to pick a favorite from all the guests. Yeah, 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 it is. It really, I feel like I'm doing everyone's. I'm like we're talking through. I'm like this is my favorite. Uh, I, I totally agree with uh, your takeaway around the product. It, it reminds me of an interview from season two with uh, Samer uh, Oas, who, when we talked to her about the idea of product led growth, she really pushed back hard on that, and she said, "No, it's about customer led growth." And I think that's what what we're all after when we think about drinking your own champagne, you understand the product, you understand the customer pain points, you understand the product, you understand the solution, you understand the product, you understand the perception of value and the reality of that value. And it's such an important part for any, any marketing leader is to, to be steeped in that um, customer calls, product, you know, technical documentation, building in the product, or certainly having a, a good understanding of what you're bringing to, to market. Uh, it's a way to differentiate yourself totally so we finished the season off by uh doing a recap of uh in episode 50 we called it like how do you stay happy at work and and balance home life and that's a question that we asked every single one of our guests uh, as kind of the last question and we kind of just like mashed up all of their answers together in, in one episode so you haven't had a chance to check that out check that out too episode 50 it's uh actually our our top downloaded episode uh that that we've done even included some of the early ones uh in season two but uh yeah we're we're back for season two in case you you haven't checked out season two yet but we started out pretty pretty deep uh on on some uh some guest episodes there. Uh, we've already published uh, an episode with Corey Haynes, Summer Awais, uh in episode 42 and 53 sorry, 52 and 53. And we had India Waters um, chat about kind of the, the the path to promotions and she's at Message Gears. We chatted with uh, Mike King, who's at Rank. We had the CMO of Iterable, Adriana. Uh, we chatted with Dave Rigotti and Emma Pionin and uh, pretty excited by the time I think we publish this one, we'll have uh, Camille Rexton's episode out. We've got a Web3 episode with Nick the Wild and we finally got uh, from of the show ramley john on as well who runs uh growth marketing today so that's that's what we've got on on the roadmap i think all of those will be scheduled by the time we we publish this one but uh yeah tons of tons of learning from chatting with a bunch of folks in uh the humans of martech space and uh looking forward to uh checking out some more in season two